Amen. We're going to look to the word of the Lord, and I just want to read one verse of Scripture. It's going to kind of be a directional verse of Scripture for our teaching tonight. We're going to teach the word of the Lord from Genesis chapter 49, just one verse of Scripture, and it will be the very first Scripture of Genesis 49. And it says this, Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. That I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. And I want to speak to you for a few moments tonight on this subject, the last days and you. The last days and you. Could we lift up our voices unto God and ask his blessing upon the teaching of his word tonight. God, I thank you for every individual that has gathered in this place. Help us to hear your word. Help us to understand your word. Let it speak to our hearts. Let it open us up, God, and perform the work that only you can perform. I pray in Jesus' name that you'll help us to know you better by the time this service is over. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Everybody said, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Why don't we clap our hands one more time? Amen. Why don't we just send up a praise one more time? Hallelujah. God, I thank you for your goodness. I give you praise. Hallelujah, forever mountain, through every valley, you brought me over, I give you praise. Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. We're talking tonight about the last days and you, because uh, we certainly know that we are living in the last days, and we understand that the time has come that the scriptures had foretold. Now, we also know that timing is different with God than it is with us. The Lord may not come when you want him, but he's always right on time. Amen. Now, of me, I have said, I may not come when you want me, and I'm rarely right on time. But that's not the case with the Lord. With the Lord, he's always right on time. Amen. And so we give him praise for that, but, but it has... Uh, it has caused uh, maybe some to wonder about these days that the Bible calls the last days. Now, you have to understand that when the Bible refers to the last days and when the Bible speaks of the last days, that the Bible, uh, of course, we take into consideration the context of the audience that is being addressed. Certainly, we take into context the individual who is doing the addressing uh, in this verse of Scripture that we have read, this is Jacob, this is Israel, uh, the man named Israel who has called his uh, sons together. You've heard the term the children of Israel. Uh, we call them the children of Israel because they are the descendants of this man whose name is Israel. His name was changed to Israel in the Jabbok River. His name had been Jacob from birth, uh, but God always saw him as Israel. Uh, you and I may have a name uh, that we have, but God sees who we are and who he created us to be. And so that's the way God uh, dealt with Jacob. And Jacob, who became Israel, gathers his children together uh, on his uh, the final uh, address to them and on his, I'll say, deathbed, if you please, 
But he gathers them together and he begins to explain to them that there are certain things that are going to befall them in the last days. And if you go through this chapter, and we're not going to do that tonight, there's a lot here, but if you go through this chapter, you can see the correlation between uh, the, uh, the history that unfolded for Israel all the way up until where Israel currently stands and exists and what will come in the near future. And you see all of that spoken of uh, prophetically, allegorically, uh, in word picture, symbolically, if you please, but also very literally uh, in these words of Jacob, who is called Israel. And he's letting them know because the last days are the last days. But, but, but he was letting them know that you're going to have to live in it. And you're going to have to be a part of it. And I'm going to tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. And so I'm talking to some people tonight who are living in it. Uh, you're living among it. It's happening around you as we speak. Uh, and so we want to understand not only the last days and not only the state of our world, but we want to know what does that mean for us and what does that require of us and what, how do we respond to it? How do we respond to these last days? And so we're going we're gonna to look into the word of the Lord a little bit and, and, and try, to, try to discover some things that the Bible teaches us that we are to do concerning uh, these last days. So we're going to look, let's start at 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to a young man by the name of Timothy. Uh, Timothy is, of course, a protege, uh, if you please, of Paul. And uh, Paul is helping Timothy as a minister, uh, as a pastor, and one who will carry along this apostle's uh, this apostle's anointing, this apostolic mantle. And so he's teaching him and he's preparing him. And in verse 1 of 2 Timothy chapter 3, he says this. He said, this know also, in, in conjunction with everything else he's been telling him in the first two chapters, he said, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now you have to know that Paul is writing this to Timothy. But anytime we see Paul writing this in this case to Timothy, but whether he was writing to the Ephesians or to the Colossians or to the Philippians or who or what have you, he is also writing to us. So, so he knows this. He is, he is not writing in a box. The, the context of who and what the circumstances are certainly needs to factor in our interpretation, understanding, and application of these texts. But we need to understand that Paul knew the gravity of what happened when he, as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, separated under the gospel of God, put pen to parchment. He understood what that entailed. And so in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3 and verse 1, he said, in the last days, perilous times shall come. He begins to prepare him for what that means. And he says, men shall be lovers of themselves. And they're not going to be, they're going to be lovers of their own selves. 
And I know you know this is talking about us because you live in 2023. Are you ready? This is getting ready to describe much that's happening in our world today. And, uh, and it's even going to describe some of the temptations that you face. But, but, and and as, as we go through some of these scriptures, I want us to be on the right side of prophecy, okay? It's going to be very important that when we read this, you're going to recognize how that the devil would like to lure you into the very thing Paul said is coming. And you want to make sure that you don't fit the description of what he said is coming that is evil. You want to make sure that you fit the description of what he said is coming that is good. Okay, so verse 2, they shall be covetous. This means they're going to want what other people have. And they're not going to be content with what they have. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. You know, it is a, it is a historically uh, interesting phenomenon that uh, children have gained such a, a very, pronounced, um, very pronounced influence in our society. In, in every part of civilized history, uh, there has been a, a, an understanding that the elders were the ones to give instruction. And there has always been a natural esteem and respect for elders. But in the recent years, or what we would call the last days, uh, elders have been somewhat pushed aside. And, and that's what you see in this verse of Scripture. He's describing a generation that's coming where... The children will be disobedient to them that have the rule over them. They'll be disobedient to their parents. They'll, and, and he describes uh, people that will be unthankful, people that will be unholy, people that will be without natural affection. This is describing the perversions that we see in our world today, uh, the perversions that we see. And again, these perversions are perversions that have existed throughout time uh, because of the fact that evil has existed uh, throughout time. But, uh, but here we have this matter of, of without natural affection. And of late, in the last few years here in America, it has taken on an exponentially uh, uh, mass multiplied uh, 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 rate of growth in the way that people have departed from natural affection. And, and this is where the sins of homosexuality come into play. This is where the sins of, we watch this transgenderism that is developing around us. These are sins. These are things that are without natural affection. This is even where the sin of pedophilia comes into the picture. These are things that are without natural affection. And Paul's telling Timothy that in the last days, these things are coming. Well, ladies and gentlemen, they're here. Okay, they're here. And, and so he's talking to Timothy and he's talking to us. Truce breakers. These are people who cannot live at peace with one another. False accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you something right now. Do not let that be you. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Now, there's not a soul in this room that would tell you 
that they don't understand what the Bible means when it tells you that there are pleasures in sin. Everybody here understands that sin has a pleasure to it, but it is a false pleasure and it is a fake pleasure because it only lasts for a season. And real, true pleasure is found in the presence of the Lord and at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And so the, the difference between a real pleasure and a false pleasure, a pleasure wannabe, is in its duration. When you are experiencing real pleasure, it is going to bring everlasting life and everlasting joy. But when you are experiencing the false and fake pleasures of this world, it's going to last for a little while and then it's going to drop you like a rock sinking to the bottom of the ocean in total despair. And everybody here understands what I'm talking about because all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And people sin because of the allure of that, that sinful pleasure. And yet that sinful pleasure will deceive you and destroy you. And so the writer, Paul, tells the young man, Timothy, that there are coming those who will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. The church is not anti-pleasure. The church is pro-pleasure, but we're for real pleasure, not the false pleasure that tells a man or a woman that they can find pleasure in this or that, and it be a lie, and it ends up destroying their family, their marriage, their home, their conscience, their financial state. No, we're for the real pleasures, the pleasures that come from the presence of the Lord, the pleasures that allow a person to walk in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's real pleasure. Amen. And so we want to be lovers of God because lovers of God are going to experience the true pleasures of life. Lovers of pleasure will fall into the trap of sinful deception. Verse 5, be not this person having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. And this is what he said concerning this whole list that we have just described. From such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses, lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning, ever learning. We live in a, we live in a world where they're ever learning. You, you got to be careful in today's world because they are ever learning. Do you know they can, they can, if you didn't know any better, they could show you a video right now of Abraham Lincoln talking today somewhere, giving a speech, wearing modern day clothes and giving the Gettysburg Address. And, and if you didn't know any better, you think it was the first time it ever happened and it would look so real to you. Because they are able to produce absolute lies and tell you it's truth. We, are, we have come into the realm of having to truly live the life that says let God be true and every man a liar. I'm telling you we're living in a world where people are wealthier than they've ever been before in the history of mankind. And they have access to more technology than has ever been accessed in the history of mankind. And they are greedier than greed has ever been 
found in the history of mankind. And you'd better know the truth and you'd better love the truth because we're living in a generation where people are ever learning. They're developing more and more applications for technology and yet they're never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And I'm gonna tell you something. They can fly whatever rocket ship to whatever planet, but it's the truth that's gonna make you free. It's the truth that's gonna make you free. And you've got to understand that in these last days, that you cannot be a part of those that are ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Now, Paul, in verse eight, takes Timothy back to a time in biblical history. When the Bible describes Janus and Jambres, how they withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. So he's letting Timothy, there's an inference here that I want to point out. He's saying that you're going to live in a generation that's going to be similar to what Moses was dealing with. You're going to live in a generation where they can resist you like Moses was resisted. And how was Moses resisted? Moses could perform miracles. Moses could perform wonders. And while Moses is performing wonders, the magicians of Egypt are doing the same thing he's doing. And we're living in a world where there are, I'll say, magicians of this world, people who buy into the philosophies of this world, who will absolutely try to duplicate what the church offers. And sometimes it looks like that's exactly what they're doing. I've had people tell me before that uh, a, a Buddhist is a very serene and tranquil and peaceful person. So why is it that Buddha isn't who we should be following? And why shouldn't we be seeking self-enlightenment? instead of being enlightened by the Spirit of God. That is the modern-day equivalent of the Egyptian magicians throwing down their rods and those rods turning into serpents, just like Moses and Aaron did. It's the modern-day equivalent in the sense that when we begin to preach prayer and we begin to preach uh, 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 meditation upon the things of God and then the magicians of this world or the philosophies of this world come along and say, seek self-enlightenment, get in touch with your inner self. Let me tell you something. You keep trying to get in touch with your inner self. Your heart, if you do that, listen, your heart is desperately wicked and is deceitful above all things. You've not met a devil more deceitful than your own heart. Your heart is more deceitful than the serpent that was the most subtle beast in the field. It is deceitful above all things. People try to get in touch with themselves and they're in there meditating and they get in touch with something all right, but it's not the spirit of God, but it's a spirit that misleads them and, and deceives them. And the thing about deception that is so frightening is that a person doesn't know when they're deceived. It's like falling asleep at the wheel. You don't know you fell asleep till you wake up. And I've had to do a lot of driving in my day. Anybody had to do a lot of driving and you're driving and, and you don't know you need to pull over until you, wake, till you wake up. And that's your cue, I need to pull over. Well, I'm gonna tell you something. Sometimes people don't wake up in time. 
And that's the way deception works. You don't know you're deceived until many times it's too late. That's why you've got to put your ear to the word of God. That's why you've got to put yourself in the audience of hearing his word and hearing truth to come along and shake you out of the deception that can come from this world. So Paul is telling Timothy, Janus and Jambres uh, withstood Moses and what you're going to face in this world are going to be people very similar to that who will resist you and try to convince others that what they have is as powerful, is as, uh, is as effective. But here's the thing about the serpent that came from Moses and Aaron's rod. It swallowed up the serpents of Janus and Jambres. It swallowed up the serpents of the Egyptian magicians. And, and it's interesting that that you, when you look at that, what does that teach us? That teaches us stay true to the truth. Stay true to the truth. Even when it looks like the truth is under fire, stay true to the truth. Even when it looks like others may have your number, stay true to the truth. Put your feet upon the bedrock of God's word and do not move to the left or to the right, but stand strong upon his word. If everybody in this building walks away from truth, don't you ever walk away from truth. Stand when the world is on fire. Stand. Stand when people are going apostate. Stand. When people are backsliding. Stand. Hallelujah. I want you to know that truth will win in the end. Regardless of what it may look like right now, truth will win in the end. Praise God. And so the scripture says these resist the truth. These are men of corrupt minds. They are reprobate concerning the faith. They are reprobate. I wish I had time to get into reprobate and the etymology of that word, reprobate. It's, it's legal terms. It's, it's a reference to, to inheritance and, and it's inheritance to trust and wills. And, and if, for instance, if somebody's inheritance were to go into probate, it's because they would not have established a will and a trust yeah, so when you establish, when you surrender your will and you put your trust in the Lord, you don't have to worry about the inheritance that God has for you going into probate. Amen. What happens when it goes into probate? It falls into the hands of this world's system and this world's governance. But we want the inheritance that comes from the Lord to flow freely into the heart of the people. Hallelujah of God. And so when a person steps away after having trusted God, steps away after having surrendered their will, then it is, it is reprobated. It is put back into probate where it was where it should never have been in the first place. And so they become reprobate. They're reprobate concerning the faith. They, that, they shall proceed no further. Now listen to this. This is what you have to understand when you're taking a stand for truth, okay? They shall proceed no further for their folly. Their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs was. Truth will prevail in the end. Their folly is going to be manifest unto all men. I know it looks bleak right now. I know things look really bad right now, and we're living in a generation that is so confused. The confusion of this generation is unlike any we've seen in modern times. 
We, we've seen chaos and we've seen problems, but we've never seen confusion on this level. The prince of darkness is at work in all of this. And that when we say the prince of darkness, we're referring to blindness. It's when the eyes go blind and our world is in a position of blindness. They're in a position of being deceived. And, and the writer Paul says to Timothy, he said, their folly shall be manifest unto all men. Do not buy in their folly. That rock was hewn out of the mountain, struck the feet of the image of Nebuchadnezzar, and the whole image came tumbling down. That was, that was God telling Daniel and Israel and Nebuchadnezzar that every kingdom of this earth is coming down and that the kingdom of God is going to stand. Hallelujah. Every political ideology is coming down. Every vain philosophy is coming down. Every rudiment of this world is coming down. Every false doctrine and heresy is coming down. All of it, all of it, all of it is coming down. This isn't the time to believe something other than the Word of God. All of that is going to fall and the Word of God is going to stand. That's why Jesus, when the devil said, Worship me and I'll give you the kingdoms of this world. And Jesus said, I'm not doing that. It is written, thou shalt not worship any other gods. You'll have no other gods before the Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And him only shall you serve. Why? Why? That's great. Why would I work? Why would I? Why would I give you my soul so I could have all the kingdoms of this world? You know why? Because all the kingdoms of the world are going to fade away. What a terrible decision that would be to, to buy into all the kingdoms of this world. And it's the kingdom of this world. So it was every kingdom that ever existed and not just natural, but spiritual kingdoms. He was trying to get Jesus to buy into this world system. And Jesus said, that's a terrible, like it doesn't even make sense because my kingdom is gonna stand forever and all of those kingdoms are gonna pass away. Hallelujah. It doesn't make sense for you to buy into it either or to support those that do. We need to start thinking about who we're giving our money to. We need to start thinking about, and, and none of this stuff about, well, everybody supports all kinds of crazy stuff. I know they do, and you need to start thinking about that. You need to start, I, I, let me just put this out there. Is God going to be so easygoing about you pouring all kinds of money into ungodliness? Is God going to be easygoing about that at the judgment day? I'm not God, and I'm not trying to be God. But I don't want to stand before him with hands dripping in the blood of people whose souls were lost because of the influence that I was helping to propagate because I was just doing what was convenient, doing what was easy. I want to take a pause and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That doesn't match the value of Jesus Christ. My God, if... If giving tithe into the kingdom of God brings a blessing, and it does, if giving an offering into the kingdom of God brings a blessing, and it does, then I wonder what kind of blessing will come when we withhold our money from the kingdom of darkness. I'm just 
just going to put that out there. I'm just, I'm just brainstorming with you, okay? I wonder, why would, why would God bless us so that we can pour all our money into the kingdoms of this world? When there are plenty of business entities that do not promote ungodliness and do not make it their agenda. And that's what it is, folks. It's an agenda. It's an agenda to deceive children. It's an agenda to deceive husbands and wives. Have you ever seen the family under attack like you do right now? Just trying to, just trying to destroy families, trying to break up husbands and wives trying to convince males that they can be females, convince females they can be males. Just, just an onslaught against the, what are you talking about? These are the last days and you've got to know how to live in them. You've got to know how to live in them. And I'm just telling you, I'm just gonna go ahead and say this because I feel it in the Holy Ghost. There is a blessing that comes from God when you say, Lord, lead me and guide me. Every financial decision I make, I want to make sure that when I put my money into an institution, I don't see them on some commercial somewhere promoting things that I do not believe in. That this word calls an abomination. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, God will bless you for it. I'm telling you right now, God will bless you for it. Praise God. And so their folly is going to be manifest. But notice verse 10. I'm trying to move along here. Verse 10. You have fully known my doctrine, Paul said. You've known my manner of life. You've known my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my charity, my patience, my persecutions, my afflictions that came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Here he comes back to the last days. But evil men and seducers. That's what we're living with right now. Evil men and seducers. I'm going to tell, tell you right now, they're, they're, corporate America has a lot of evil men and seducers making decisions about what is being marketed, what is being created, because we're living in the last days. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That's the blind leading the blind. And they both fall into a ditch. But now here, we've talked about what's going on in our world. Now what we're trying to accomplish is what, how do we live in, our, in the world where these things are happening? And this is where Paul begins to help us understand. He says, but here's what you do. Continue. Hallelujah. Oh, I could, I could go the rest of the night on that one word. Continue. In the things which you have learned and has been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. The Bible says in Psalm 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And, 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 and you know, we've got to be careful whose counsel we're receiving. We need to make sure that when we take counsel, we're receiving it from the godly and not the ungodly. Now, in the age of the internet, there's so many quotes. I've never seen so many quotes. My goodness, everybody's waxing eloquent and prof profundities 
abound. You make sure that when you tap into and tie into a pithy saying that it's coming from a godly source. Hallelujah. You don't want to, you don't want to start believing something that the ungodly say because blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And the antithesis of that is true. You, you're not blessed when you walk in the counsel of the ungodly. So, so know them, Paul is saying. You know where this counsel came from. You know where this teaching came from. And you have learned it from a good source. And that from a child you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Know the Holy Scriptures. Know the Holy Scriptures. Continue in the things which you have learned from the Holy Scriptures. Hallelujah. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God, that's us, and he's, of course, talking to Timothy as a minister, as a pastor, but, but, but this is true of every child of God, that the man of God may be perfect. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Where does that perfection come from? It doesn't come from our best efforts. It comes from our submission to the scriptures. So what does this teach us about the last days in us? It teaches us to continue in the scriptures. Know the holy scriptures. Believe and know and be assured and reassured that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Hallelujah. Uh, listen, you don't have to know which, which vial this Dead Sea Scroll came out of to understand the principles of the Scripture's work. Hallelujah. Now, we can go through the canonization process and we can go into the authenticating of the scriptures. It's heavily, highly, deeply authenticated. There's no ancient text that is as authenticated as this holy book that I'm holding in my hand right now. And the meticulous and painstaking way that it was preserved and the careful transliteration of it. it we could talk all night about that but but that aside if you just practice what it says to do the fruit is persuasive the proof is in the living out of the principles and they come to pass praise god so what did paul tell timothy to do in these last days he said continue in the holy scriptures which you have Learned. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. And uh, I, I went to 2 Timothy 3 first because we were going to go through the whole chapter. And I'm not going to go through all of these whole chapters tonight. Amen. But we're going to go through a few verses of Scripture. Hebrews chapter 10. And I want to just read a few of them. Verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Okay, he's describing the purity that can come upon the child of God through repentance and baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. When you draw near unto God, 
The high priest, he's talking about the high priest. When you draw near unto God, and he describes a true heart, full assurance of faith, hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, bodies washed with pure water, he's saying that you can draw nigh unto the high priest. And he's talking to the Hebrews now. Again, we're looking at who the audience is and who he's addressing, but he's talking to us too because this is a timeless word from God. And he is, he is describing in this description the purity that we have in approaching God. And it is similar to the purity that the priests had in the Old Testament. And their, their purity was meticulously uh, executed and they did, they did all that they could to make sure there was no blemish, there was no taint, there was no filthiness of their flesh. Why? Because they were a type and a symbol of Jesus to come who really truly was completely pure and holy. And, and we enter into that purity and into that innocence through the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, turning away from our sins, being filled with his spirit, Draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Our hearts are sprinkled from an evil conscience. That sprinkling is a, a reference to what was happening with the blood upon the tabernacle. So there's inferences here to the blood of Jesus. Our hearts are sprinkled upon and we are, we are sprinkled away from an evil conscience. How are you going to live in these last days? You've got to let God cleanse you from that conscience. You've got a conscience that the devil would like to make you, he'd like to take advantage of your sense of, of moral clarity and try to make you feel so condemned for the things you have done in the past. But you hear me, ladies and gentlemen, the blood of Jesus washes away every sin. Hallelujah. You do not have to live in guilt or shame or condemnation about what has happened in your past. You are able to have your hearts sprinkled. Hallelujah. Have the blood of the lamb applied to your heart and have that evil conscience removed from you. Hallelujah. How many have ever tried to worship God before when the enemy come up beside you and try to remind you of something you've done, a sin you've committed, and that accuser of the brethren gets in your ear and tells you, you have no right to worship God. Well, the devil is a liar. That's what Jesus went to the cross to do, is to take our penalty for the sins we've committed and give us the ability to enter into the holy place. Hallelujah, where you once had to be of a particular lineage, of a particular pedigree, have a particular cleansing ritual. Well, now that cleansing ritual is accomplished by Jesus Christ, and we receive that cleansing ritual by repenting from our sins and being baptized into his precious name. Hallelujah, being filled with his spirit, we're able to step into that holiest of all places. Oh, that's how you live in the last days. You step away from that evil conscience. Don't you let the devil tell you that you're, no, that you, that you're just an, another part of this world and, and you are just involved in sin because you've committed sin in your past. I don't care what sin you've committed in your past. The blood of Jesus can cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Now, folks, you've got to stand in that truth now. You've got to stand in that truth. The blood of Jesus has cleansed me of all unrighteousness. Praise God. Hallelujah. 
My God, if anybody preaches another gospel unto you, let him be accursed. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you are free. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. God has delivered you from that sin. He has delivered you from that habit. He has delivered you from that abomination. Yes, he has. And you can stand strong knowing, praise God, that your evil conscience has been removed from you, that you have full assurance of faith. You can draw near with a true heart, your body purified. We've got two baptisms today in the name of Jesus, and praise God for that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're having baptisms every single service, and we're having several in the middle of the week, praise God. And that's what's happening, that pure water, that, that pure water. And the scripture says in verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. How do we live in the last days? Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Now, I, I, we, we use the term, sometimes we'll say, uh, we're not professional Pentecostals. And I, I know what we mean by that. I've said that. So I know what we mean by it. We mean that we don't want to get into the business of becoming robotic and mechanical and we lose the faith factor and we just become a mannequin, if you please. And, and, and that's true, but that's not what profession is. Profession has to do with what is, come, what is coming out of your mouth. It is a spoken word. It is the profession. And when he tells you to hold fast the profession of your faith, he's telling you to let what comes out of your mouth be mirrored by what happens in your daily activities. That's the profession of your faith. If God is good, live like he's good. If God has brought you out, live like he's brought you out. If God has delivered you, live like he's delivered you. Hold fast the profession of your faith. Hallelujah. And he said, this is why you hold fast the profession of your faith. For he is faithful that promised. And so what many times causes people to waver in their faith or in the profession of their faith is that they feel like maybe the promise of God is too long in coming, but he is faithful that promised. Verse 24, let us consider one another. Here's a good thing. You taking notes? Take notes. Make sure you're catching what we're reading here because I'm telling you how to live in the last days. Here's how you live in the last days. Let us consider one another. To provoke unto love and to good works. You need each other. Get off your island and come into the company of the believers. I know you like your alone time. I get it. I understand the benefit of alone time. But come on out of that prayer closet and, and be with the people of God. And let me tell you something. When, when we have an alone time, your alone time needs to consist of prayer and consecration to God. Let your Sabbath be holy. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. You know, uh, people like to say, well, everybody's got to have a Sabbath. We've got to have our alone time. We've got to have a downtime. Don't forget the other part of that. Keep it holy. Oh, Holy Ghost. I felt a little Holy Ghost in that. Just felt a little Holy Ghost in that. Keep it holy now. 
Don't let your downtime be your, your time to get carnal. Don't let your downtime, your relaxation time to be your time to backslide, to act like you don't know God. Like you knew God on Sunday, now you don't know God because this is my alone time. No, your, your, your alone time or any other time needs to be holy. My goodness, that's not a drudgery. You, if you haven't lived it, then you, don't, you just don't know. There's a blessing in being holy. There's joy in living holy. There's peace of mind in living holy. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And, and, and provoke one another to good works. Come on out of your island, of your isolation, of your, you, you gotta be in the prayer closet, yes. Go into the prayer closet, shut yourself away, have some alone time, get alone with God, but don't forget one another. I'm talking about the last days in you. Don't forget one another. Consider one another to provoke one another unto love and to good works. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. He's telling you, look, it might be trendy not to worship with each other right now. Anybody familiar with that? Did that not just happen over the last three years where it kind of got to be where it was expected that people wouldn't worship together? And some people just decided they wouldn't do it anymore. This is, what, this is what the writer of Hebrews said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching, the last days in you, a key and vital part of surviving and thriving in the last days is coming to church. You say, well, I don't know. I'm, I don't, and, and you, may, you may say, you may say, I mean, you may say, I don't know if I get much out of it. It's not, it's not always about what you get out of it. There's somebody here that needs you. They need you to speak into their life and exhort them and encourage them in the Lord. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. I need to see you. I, I need to see your worship. If nobody else needs to see your worship, I want you to know I need to see your worship. I can't tell you how much of a blessing it is for me personally to look out over this congregation and see God's precious people worshiping his name. I will never be able to adequately articulate how much of a blessing that is to me in my walk with God. And if it's that much of a blessing to me, it has to be a blessing to the person sitting near you just to see the people of God. Has anybody, I talked about evil men waxing worse and worse, and you don't have to point any fingers, but have you encountered any, any evil men that just seem to be getting worse, not better this week? In your actions, in your, in, in your interactions, and in your communications, anybody ever, anybody come across that? What a refreshing it is to come in among the people of God and say, okay, here's some people here who love the Lord. Some people here who are keeping the faith. 
there are some people here. Brother Sizemore, when Elijah ran into that cave, part of the reason why he was so discouraged is he said, Lord, I'm all alone. I, I don't know anybody who's trying to serve you. Everywhere I go, there's just, it's just Baal worshipers, Baal worshipers, Baal worshipers. And the Lord had to come and rebuke him and say, stop it. I have 7,000 that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. And I'm going to tell you, you got to come in here and remind yourself sometimes that, that there are people here that have not turned their back on God and they're striving and they're walking and they're living for the Lord. Come, come, come together. Come away from where you are and come into the house of God. Listen, introverts, come on in, introverts. Come on in. We won't bother you. We, we might... We might pat you on the back but but you just give us that look and we'll know what that means but we want you to be in the house of God and we want you to want you to be encouraged and lifted up and strengthened by the presence of the Lord hallelujah so how do you how do you live and thrive in the last days you come to church you come to church yes yes you can you can have a move of God on your own I talked about the prayer closet get in that prayer closet but sometimes you've got to come out into the light of day and be with the people of God and 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 have that exhortation unto one another it's so vitally important in these last days Psalm 44 and I do hasten along Psalm 44 and verse 1 this goes back to Jacob talking to his sons that what's coming in the last days. We have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us what work thou didst in their days in the times of old, how thou didst drive out the heathen with thy hand, plantest them, how thou didst afflict the people and cast them out. For they got not the land in possession by their own sword. Neither did their own arms save them, but thy right hand and thine arm and the light of thy countenance, because thou hadst a favor unto them. You know how you live in the last days? You do things that bring the favor of God upon your life. How do you live in the last days? You do things that bring you into the light of his countenance. Hallelujah. I want, I want to live a life of favor. You can live a life of favor in the middle of these last days. Praise God. I God, I'm telling you what, folks. I'm not worried about the Antichrist. I'm looking forward to seeing Jesus Christ. I'm not worried about it. AI, AI is going to be what it is. Whatever it is, it's going to be what it is. God is greater than AI. I, you know what, I, I, my concern is people being deceived by the stuff that's coming. That's my concern. My concern is, is getting into the, interjecting the word of God into their path and stopping them from falling headlong into the deception of that spirit of antichrist. That's, that's, what, that's what we're here to do. But we're not afraid of the devil's devices and we're not gonna be ignorant of the devil's devices because we're gonna hold fast the profession of our faith. The word of God still stands true as the divinely inspired word of the Lord and all scripture is profitable for doctrine reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness. We come to church. We're never going to stop coming to church. We're never going to stop assembling ourselves together. Well, what if persecution comes? Well, that has happened before and they didn't stop assembling themselves together. It was happening while that was being written. 
That's why he wrote it. He, listen, when, when people were struggling to assemble, it wasn't because they had other priorities. It was because they were risking their life. It wasn't because they had little league games. It was because they were risking their life. It wasn't because if they came, they'd, they'd miss the eight o'clock whatever. It wasn't because the preacher went too long. Eutychus fell out of the window asleep. I'm just waiting till we have this whole place packed out and we got to put people in those windows. We'll have, make sure we have plenty of cushion all around when we go past midnight. Amen. But, but you've got to understand that we've got different problems than they did. But there's coming a day when we're going to cry out, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. And God help us. God help us if we can't inconvenience ourselves just a little bit to come encourage somebody. To come exhort somebody. To come consider somebody. To come provoke somebody unto love and good works. I'm trying to tell you how to live in the last days. Come to church. Hold fast the profession of your faith. Stand upon the word of God. And you demonstrate truth even in the face of Janus and Jambres or Egyptian magicians. Hallelujah. I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 24. Let me, let me read to you from Matthew chapter 24. We know that this passage of Scripture deals uh, twofold. It, it deals, of course, with the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, but it also speaks to the days in which we live, and, and it's relevant to where we are right now. It's the same, it's the same uh, prophetic underpinnings that they had concerning the changing of times in their day as we have concerning the changing of times in our day. Matthew 24, Jesus went out and departed from the temple. His disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. Jesus said unto them, see ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. He's telling them that this temple is going to be destroyed. As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world. So they're asking him, when are these things going to be concerning the destruction of the temple? When are these things going to be that, that, that when you return? And, and what is the end of the world? And Jesus begins to speak to them, and he's dealing with all of those, those discussions. The destruction of the temple, the signs of his second coming, the end of the world. And he begins to tell them how to live in the last days. Take heed that no man deceive you. How do you, how do you resist temptation to being deceived? How do you avoid deception? Take heed. Take heed that no man deceive you. Don't just, don't just, ah, you can take it or leave it when it comes to the preaching and teaching of the word of God. Thank you, Jesus. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and they shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. I, God, have mercy. See that you be not troubled. Ooh, hallelujah. See that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. 
Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famine and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. I'm telling you that that is where the apostolic church is headed. At right now it's happening. We, th there is a growing segment of society that hates people who are devoted to the name of Jesus Christ and the lifestyle that comes with that name. See that you be not troubled. See that you be not troubled. Don't you let that discourage you. We sang it right before the teaching started. We walk in victory. We stand in authority. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's not just a song we sing. We don't just clap our hands and dance to it and shout to it. No, we live that. Hallelujah. And whether they come against us or not or deliver us up to councils or not, we walk in victory. We stand in authority. You shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Remember when I told you don't fall into the deception of becoming the evil parts of this that are predicted. Don't be a part of those that are offended, those that betray one another, those that hate one another. Don't be a part of that prophesied group. Don't let that be you. Lord, don't let me be offended. Don't let me betray anyone. Don't let me hate anyone. Let me, let me not be named among that segment. Let me be true to what you have put in me as your Holy Spirit has filled me. Verse 11, many false prophets shall rise, shall deceive many. Have you noticed how much deception is talked about in these passages? Deception, deception. So much deception happening. False prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And false prophets don't always come as religious figures. There are a lot of false prophets who don't even believe in religion. There are a lot of false prophets who, are, who, who, don't, who don't feign themselves as prophets, but what's coming out of their mouth is false prophecy. And it's, it's the words of the enemy. And they shall deceive many. Verse 12. Now this is an interesting verse. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Now we talk about the love of many waxing cold. Why? Because iniquity shall abound. And when iniquity abounds, the love of many waxes cold. So this is why, saint of God, hear me. You and I cannot let iniquity in our hearts. Iniquity, it is, it is iniquity that has severed love from this generation. It's iniquity. There's a callousness that has grown over the heart of so many of the people in our world today. Why? Because they have been overladen with iniquity. They, they just, it's hard to love anybody. It's hard for anybody to love anybody because iniquity is just so abundant. 
They were, they were victims of iniquity as children. They were victims of iniquity as they grew into teenage years. They became perpetrators of iniquity. Iniquity is abounding. And because iniquity abounds, the love of many waxes cold. You've got to repent from every sin that is in your members. You have to walk away from it because it is robbing you of the precious love of God. And verse 13, here it is. He that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. How do we live in the last days? Endure unto the end. Endure unto the end. It's not over yet. Hallelujah. Everybody take a big deep breath. Let that out. Exhale that air. That, you know what that means? That means it's not over yet. Also means this sermon isn't over yet. We're getting there. We're getting there. I promise you, we're really, really getting close. But, 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 but endure unto the very end. And the Bible says the same shall be saved. The final part that I want to point out tonight, and we've talked about a lot, so I, I, I do encourage you to even go back and maybe listen to it, but how to live in the last days. Stand on the word of God. Let the word of God always be the divinely inspired word of God. Let it be your clarion truth that, that, that absolutely leads you and guides you with no question. If you're, if you're contrary to the word, it's you who humbles and submits, not the other way around. Okay, let the word of God lead you and guide you and you'll never regret it. Let the word of God be the word of God. And, and, and continue in that. Live in that. And go to church. Be in the house of God. Be among the people of God. In, in, encourage one another. Exhort one another. Be encouraged by one another. Don't be offended. Don't betray one another. Don't hate one another. Take a stand for righteousness, even in your finances and who you're supporting. Take a stand for righteousness. I'm trying to tell you how to live in the last days. And, and of course, in this passage of Scripture, don't be deceived. Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't listen to false Christs who say, I am Christ, false prophets who shall deceive many. And, 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 and again, if people hate you for his name's sake, that'll just have to be the way it is. His name is to be praised. But the final one that I want to point out, what do we do in, when we live in this last day? Verse 14 of Matthew 24. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations and then shall the end come. Praise God. The more the devil fights us, the more evangelistic we have to be. Hallelujah. We've got to reach Cincinnati, folks. We've got to reach Cincinnati. We've got to reach the greater Cincinnati area. We've got to reach this metroplex. We've got to reach into the highways and into the byways. And we've just come through a building program and we're still, we're still just kind of wrapping it all up and finalizing everything and moving forward. But I'm going to tell you something. This isn't the end. This is the beginning. This isn't the conclusion of a thing. This is the beginning of a thing. We're just getting started in reaching this whole city. And it's not all going to happen right here at Cooper Road. It's going to happen on every point of this city. We're going to have campuses and preaching points. And you know why? Because we're not just going to reach Cincinnati. We're going to send missionaries into all the world that they can preach the gospel to the entire world. We have to have a global mindset. What do you do when you live in the last days? You reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
tell you something, America is in for a great awakening, okay? But while America is struggling with its soul right now and is, is fighting God tooth and nail, while that is happening, I want you to know that there are nations around the world that are turning their whole face to God. As we speak, they're turning their face to God. Hallelujah. I'm not discouraged. I'm encouraged. Praise God. I said, I'm not discouraged. I'm encouraged. We knew this was coming. Hey, let me tell you something else that's going to happen in the last days, and it's happening right now. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see vision. Hey, let me tell you, parents who are concerned about your sons and daughters, you get them in the church and you do these things that we're talking about and let the word be your anchor. Hallelujah. And let the church be your community. I'm going to tell you, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I don't know why God didn't put Paul and Silas here, but he didn't. He put you and I here. I don't know why God didn't put Noah, Daniel, and Job here, but he didn't. He put you and I here. I don't know why he didn't put Peter, James, and John here, but he didn't. He put you and I here. We're here on purpose. It's time to be strong. It's time to be bold. It's time to be righteous in an unrighteous world. Oh, let's stand to our feet, lift up our hands unto God and give him praise right now. Hallelujah. 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 Come on and give him praise right now. Come on and give him praise right now. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I wonder if the saints of God can lift up a praise unto his name all across this house. Hallelujah. I wonder if somebody, I wonder if somebody could step forward right now and give God praise for every saint of God. Hallelujah, that's in this place. I'm thankful for the people of God. I want you to know we're not alone. Look around you. You're not alone today. You're not alone. You've got brothers and sisters and friends and family who are serving God with you. Who are serving God with you. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. I want somebody to bring their weariness right now. I want you to bring the weariness of your world. I know, I know we bring our praise to God and we're even bringing our offerings to God. God bless you. Thank the Lord for it. We're bringing our offerings. We're bringing our praise. But I want somebody to bring their pain right now. I want somebody to bring their, their, their heaviness right now. Come on, you can bring that too. Glory to God. Bring your heaviness, bring your pain. Bring your heartache. Come on, bring it. You're in a safe place right now. You're in a, you're in a safe place today. You're among the company of believers. Woo, hallelujah. Yes. Yes. Come on, I want somebody that's been struggling a little bit. Come on, that's it. Don't, don't, don't act like don't act like you don't need anything. We all need something. I need something right now. I need something from the presence of the Lord. Woo. 
Come on, that's it. The Holy Ghost is about to move in this house. The singers are singing and the saints are praising. Hallelujah, that's it. Go ahead, that's it. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Lord is in this place. Hallelujah. 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 Always enough. More than enough. Forever enough. Always enough. More than enough. Join somebody right now. Join somebody right now. The Holy Ghost is in this place. The Holy Ghost is in this
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give God praise right now all across this house. Come on, let's give him praise right now. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. If you've come tonight, if you've come tonight and the, and the Lord has ministered to you, could you just lift up a hand of praise unto him in the name of the Lord and thank him for his goodness and for his grace. He is in this place to do a work, and we're going to baptize Lila and Mackenzie today in Jesus' name. If you need to go, you're welcome to go. If you want to stay for the baptism, we certainly encourage that. God bless you in Jesus' name.